Alrighty, so last week we watched uh, Columbo. So then this week we're going to stick with crime shows of that approximate era. So we're watching one of his contemporaries, Cannon, with two N's. Oh yeah, William um, Faulkner? Uh, Conrad. Conrad. William Conrad. Great big guy. Yeah, this is where uh, it, didn't, it didn't occur to me until I was sort of researching this show how this ties in to different stuff we watched. So it made me like, oh, I'm kind of excited to watch this now because uh, I didn't realize... I saw the name William Conrad, and it seemed a little familiar, but I had to click on his name and read through to see who he was. And uh, we did that episode around last Christmas. We did that episode where we watched... First, we listened to the radio version of Gunsmoke, and then we watched an episode of Gunsmoke. Right, right. And that's... Yeah, we did see him in that. Yeah, so just based on that tiny little, uh, you know, just that little sample size, I liked the radio version better. It made me think maybe I should start digging into old radio serials. Maybe I'll like them, but I, I haven't yet. But yeah, uh, I, I did. I liked that version of Gunsmoke a lot. And you mentioned that 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 was the guy, William Conrad, who did who was uh, Marshal Matt Dillon in the original radio version of Gunsmoke. And then when they brought over the show into TV, I think they kept some people. I don't remember the details anymore exactly, but they didn't keep a ton of people, and they did not keep him because he was overweight and they, they were pretty frank about it. <laughs> that's, that's really that's right. That's right. They wanted, they, they, that was um, James Arnaz is who they hired. Good looking, you know, six footer fit. And uh, William Conrad is definitely overweight. And even in canon, he's a big fella. And in those days, today, you couldn't do that. You couldn't uh, hire, not hire somebody because of their weight. But I'm sure in the 1960s, that was not a problem. Yeah, if anything, it was like a, uh, it was obvious to them. <laughs> like they weren't shy about yeah. bringing it up. He had the voice, but he didn't have the look. Right. So yeah, that made me curious about this because uh, yeah, it's not like one of these cases where somebody just can't transition from radio into TV. Which another, it's a very different situation. But another interesting version of that was when we we watched Amos and Andy, and the issue there was that the guys who did the Amos and Andy voices on the radio were not black guys; they were white dudes. <laughs> so there's, and and they did in fact have like a weird movie that they did where those guys just performed in blackface. Like man, just a different time. But even back then, that did not go over. So then for the Amos and Andy show, they just hired some some black guys to be Amos and Andy <laughs> and it all worked out pretty well that was a good show but uh yeah in this case there's all these different cases and I mean you know I guess there's also even just when uh silent things went into having sound you know there was stories of people that that just had weird voices and suddenly yeah, they were they're... beautiful on the screen but when voice came in they couldn't carry the voice yeah. so that was it game over life over or even up until my generation, video killed the radio star. <laughs> you know, like, it, there's always these transitions into new media. And uh, maybe the next thing will be, like, VR. Like, I don't like being in a three-dimensional virtual space with this person. So now you're, you're fired. New, new host. <laughs> you know? Just a weird thing. So that's what I like about this, is that it's neat to see that that wasn't the end of the road for William, for William Conrad. This show, Canon, was very popular. So uh, let me give you the quick rundown, the deets that I looked up. Cannon is an American detective series that aired on CBS from 1971 to 1976. Five seasons, 122 episodes, as well as a pilot and a revival TV film called The Return of Frank Cannon in 1980. Cannon is a veteran of the Korean War and a former member of the LAPD. He's a widower having lost his... He's a widower. <laughs> I'm like trying to do the... 
the, the cool narrator voice and it's making me not able to read apparently. He's a widower having lost his wife and son in a car bomb attack meant for him. This caused him to quit the force and become a private detective. He has a high level of education in many subjects and speaks multiple languages. Actually, the way this, the Wikipedia article for this, you know, Wikipedia is written by fans, but it's usually extremely well-researched and well-written. The canon page, though, I don't know offense to whoever wrote it, but it was weird because I, I, I couldn't figure out he was a private detective. They were just taking it for granted that I knew that, which I did not. I couldn't figure out his name, Frank Cannon. That took a while. It's not a well-written page. And even just stuff like that, it sounds like how they describe G.I. Joe characters. His, his level of education is above average. He's, uh, you know, all this stuff. He's an 8 out of 10 on the uh, science chart and all this stuff. But anyway, yeah, Cannon, former police officer, troubled past, now genius detective. Uh, William Conrad, who plays Cannon, was an overweight actor, and early episodes made mention of his weight. He played the role of Marshall Matt Dillon, the original we going to talk. And uh, another interesting little detail. In an era before cell phone use, Cannon was frequently shown using an early mobile phone in his signature Lincoln Continental. Oh my god, how futuristic. Yeah, which was very rare at the time. Which, is, uh, I mean, that is interesting because my version of that that I always think of is the X-Files. You know, in like 1994, they had cell phones that were the equivalent of today but they didn't really because those didn't really exist you know it was just movie magic but this is much earlier in the early 70s yeah like this guy's mobile phone in his car apparently they really did exist but probably the one they had didn't work at all it's just purely a prop you know and every once in a while you'll see movies from that era and the phone that they've got is a great big giant thing yeah, yeah, the 80s, too. There's a lot of 80s jokes about that, like those early mobile phones that are yeah, just gigantic, where his wasn't, you know, calling it a mobile phone is probably, it's only mobile because the car is mobile. You know, that car, that, that thing is in his car, but that's still, still pretty cool. That's not bad. Yeah, and if you're going to make up stuff for TV, why not? <laughs> why not fake it? <laughs> but anyway, Cannon received a number of Emmy, Golden Globes, and other award nominations, and we're going to watch Season 1, Episode 5, Scream of Silence, just because it was a particularly well-regarded episode. So I figure if we're going to pick one at random, why not pick the one everybody likes? I'm waiting to see the phone. Hopefully he's going to use it in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. now that'll be... So I was like, oh, that's an interesting little detail, but yeah, it'll be a bummer now if he doesn't use the phone. Okay, season one, episode five of canon, Scream of Silence. So maybe let's start with the music since we got a, some of that, you know, as we faded in and faded out. Is uh, It's not the first thing I noticed, but it's certainly evident is that uh, there's a lot of stuff where uh, the music can be kind of overwhelming or whatever. But it's interesting in this show, they didn't even try to make it like a, a background score. Like the music was like an extra character, like super ever-present the whole time, making sure. Quinn Martin must have known the band or has some connection with the band because the band was very, very prominent. But I think in a lot of the, those shows, like I'm thinking Hawaii Five-0 and that kind of stuff, like I think that the uh, the music was very prominent in as, as a scene would come to an end and getting ready for a commercial break, you'd lead up to that heavy saxophone, heavy drums. 
Yeah, definitely. When I think of parodies of this type of thing, like when we watched that Simpsons where uh, Chief Wiggum moves to to uh, Louisiana to be a detective in the bayou. Like this show had all of those things of like, Canon, this episode, scream of silence, you know, like it had the guy announce the stuff. And I was thinking, because I was checking, double checking about Columbo. Like, did I have the time wrong with Columbo? But no, they were at the same time. Like this was 1971. That Columbo we watched was a 1972 episode. But the way that Columbo is like described as being timeless, it is much more so than canon. Like Columbo still has things of the time, particularly the smoking, but canon is so 1970s. Like to the point that that music even had a brief like, like that like 70s disco-y music. And uh, yeah, it's just like everywhere in it. Like it would be like if I put out a show 10 years ago and all the music was dubstep. You know, like it just anchors it in the era. Like you you would never mistake that of being from anywhere but the early 70s. <laughs> and the cars, all those great big gas guzzling cars. Everybody drove one. You didn't see anything like a small Volkswagen, which would have been very prominent cars. Small little, you didn't see any small cars. Everything was great big giant Fords or Chryslers or something. Maybe Quinn Martin also had some deal going on with these car dealerships. Yeah, because like they were saying in the description how his Lincoln Continental was one of the famous hallmarks of the show, but it didn't stand out in any way because literally every car in the show was, didn't you guys have a car like that? You called it like the boat or whatever? Oh, yeah, yeah. We had a Cadillac. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and it was a giant car. It was huge. Great big front, great big back. Well, everybody drove in that. I didn't see one small car. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like they didn't exist. Maybe didn't they see didn't. Any trucks either. No <laughs> trucks, no small cars. The only other vehicle in that was the bus. The the transit bus that the buddy got on. So yeah, tons of huge cars. Uh also the uh we did get to see I didn't think we were gonna see the car phone, speaking of cars, but three quarters of the way through he did use it and uh and yeah, that was interesting because, you know, we were saying how if you go back through the, the eras where the X-Files had the 90s flip phone and you go back to the 80s and they have those great big cell phones where at this point in the 70s, it literally is just a phone, just a normal phone receiver with the curly cord. It's just in his car, <laughs> which is still pretty cool, but it doesn't have any of the visual hallmarks of a cell phone. It's just a phone. It was a good show with good acting, but it one point you said, do we know why they've kidnapped the kid? And I said, no, we'll probably find that at the end and they'll wrap it all up. But they didn't wrap it all up. And I guess it's just because his dad got rescued. And his dad's like a senator, right? right. So and either and his dad has money or they just want to politically yeah. mess with him. I don't know. That's got to be what it was. But they, they weren't real obvious in saying this is exactly why that child was kidnapped and here's why we've got to kill him. And th that was all very vague. It's almost like the message at the end was that the child and the father need to communicate and they've agreed to do that. And that was how the show got resolved. Yeah. And the bad guys, of course, got caught. But there was no real out-and-out out clear statement as to why there was a kidnapping. Yeah, and I wonder if maybe sometimes picking the kind of top dog episode, it's not always the best choice because a lot of times the episodes that are the most well-remembered are the unusual ones. So maybe this was not a normal case for Cannon because it was kind of weird that most of his detective work involved just trying to coax information out of a mute kid and all of those scenes were so awkward because Cannon is, he's no nonsense. He's like, you know, saying how like Columbo, 
he disarms you with friendliness, not Cannon. Cannon is like, you jerk, you're a dick. You're, you're going down. I'm going to get you. <laughs> you know, like he's very stern the whole time. But then he has to be nice to this kid and is like, this is weird. I don't like nice Cannon. <laughs> he feels weird. And he also caved in to that doctor type. Every time he was, like, there was at least twice, he was almost to the point of getting the kid to expose something that would have solved the whole situation. And she stepped in, and that was it. End of that story. Maybe, maybe I mean, they didn't really bring this up directly, but it could be maybe he's not comfortable with kids. <laughs> maybe as soon as a, uh, you know, a child psychologist tells him to back off, he's like, okay, maybe, I don't know, my kid blew up. I don't know how kids work. <laughs> but they didn't really get into that. Yeah, definitely it sort of lacks a hook in the way, I mean, it's just, I guess maybe uh, it's not fair necessarily to compare this and Columbo. It's just that we happen to watch them back to back, but I, I just, I like Columbo a lot better. Columbo has that hook. It has that special thing to it of not only the reverse crime, but just Columbo's method of approaching a crime is unique and interesting. Where Cannon is just, I know, he's just a detective, just piecing it together. And the only thing that was really kind of slick was how he found out who the doctor was who tended to the criminal's wounds and then followed him and, and got to the site and they arrested the guy. That was kind of slick how he did that. Which was basically, that's when we saw the car phone, yeah, is that he called yeah. in a fake, like, uh, you know, I got, I got a... Yeah, and this is the fat guy. All That's all he did. Identified himself. This is the fat guy and... My, my other guy, he's bleeding to death here. Yeah. And most doctors said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. But one guy took the hook. That was <laughs> kind of slick. Uh, and then I guess it's quite uh, quite lowbrow, but got to bring it up, is because, you know, the big thing we were talking about at the start, what is sort of famous about William Conrad, was that he was too, too big to be Marshall Dillon on Gunsmoke. So when we first started watching... I was like, oh, he's not that big, you know, especially by modern standards. Everybody is this, this size. You know, he just looks like, looks like a normal guy. I thought it was kind of weird that they made such a big deal about his weight. And even in the episode at one point, he's like, do I remind you? And he's trying to talk to the kid. What is it about me that, that made you think of your kidnappers? Were they fat like me? <laughs> and the kid's like, no, no, it wasn't that. But I was like, yeah, he's not really that fat. But then I felt like kind of bad because as the show went on and you see him with his, his uh, jacket undone, and, you know, a little less concealing, and you see him from a bad angle, I'm like, oh, maybe he is a bit bigger than I thought he was. Yeah, but it's almost like he wore his jacket, buttoned and everything, until that point of exposure where he said, is it because I'm, did he look like me because I'm fat? And after that, it was like, yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah, I am fat, and I'm going to show it. <laughs> yeah. And he never, he never seemed to button his jacket up after that, and he slouched around and... And even, yeah, his code name when he's pretending to be a criminal was the fat man. And yeah, a little, it was a little weird. But yeah, so I guess that'd be my main, my main takeaway from canon is uh, definitely if you need just like a 70s show, if you need something that's extremely representative of, you know, every cliche about the early 70s and a, an early 70s cop drama, if you want and people chasing each other from big cars and not a lot of smoking actually <laughs> it's quite a quite a lack of smoking but in general it did have it had all those hallmarks that they didn't drink either like a lot of those 70 shows it's cigarettes and and drink go together but there was neither yeah and i guess we'd have to see more quinn martin productions to see if that any of this is uh, it's just coincidental or you never know it could just be maybe maybe he had certain 
lines in the sand of like, I don't like this. I don't like drinking it. I don't like smoking. But you know what I do like? Saxophones. <laughs> All the big time. Big cars. Big cars, yeah. <laughs> big cars and big men solving big problems. Cannon. Ba -da -ba.